0: Hello and welcome to Cybercrime Investigations. The inside story of the talk Talk hack with Jeff White and Glenn Goodman. Uh, so we should probably uh, say who we are. So I'm Jeff White. I'm an investigative journalist. I cover technology. And I'm Glenn Goodman. I'm a journalist and investor and finance expert. Uh, and we're going to be talking. I thought we talked today about um Talk Talk, the hacking of Talk Talk. Yes. Does it ring bells with you? That it the rings ha- a bell. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was in the news. It so. was. It was a few years ago. Um, it has, however, for me anyway, kept going. Um, I think basically it if, wasn't just a news story on one day, and that was no, it. No, no, no. This went on for a while, and I think the thing is, I think now if you if you punch into into Google Talk Talk and scam or Talk Talk and fraud, I think my name pops up. <laughs> In fact, I think it's like, you know when sometimes you search on Google and it gives you the option to just call? Like if you search for a restaurant, it says you just want to call. Yeah. I think my number is basically on sort of speed dial. Wow. For, yeah. Because I did quite a lot on TalkTalk. Talk, so. Do you get
1: a lot of people phoning you up asking if you can connect to the TalkTalk Talk network for <laughs> yeah. them? And... Can I
0: sort? Can you sort my broadband out? Yeah. 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 Um, you could earn a lot of commission. I do. And I always ask them which lights are blinking on their router because apparently that's... <laughs> But That's of extreme significance to anyone who does broadband. <laughs> How <laughs> many lights are on your router? And we talk about that for two hours, at which point I tell them, no, I can't help, because I'm a journalist. I'm not actually talk talk. Um, <laughs> but this was, so uh, October 2015 was the key date. That was when most people started hearing about this. Right. This was the thing where there was headlines about baby-faced hackers being arrested and that kind of thing. Um, baby-faced hackers? Yes, well, they, they, some of the people they arrested were very young. Well, 14, 15 kind of thing. Oh, I didn't realize that. I knew I knew
1: there were hackers. I didn't realize they were like the small faces type <laughs> of hacking. The small
0: faces of hacking. <laughs> um, the, yes, they were. The thing about these guys is, um, they they weren't. I think it's fair to say these weren't the most advanced hackers, you know, known to man. They weren't exactly um, you know nation state type guys. They were fairly young.
1: Still managed to break into
0: TalkTalk. Yes. Yes. Massive company. Yes. Apparently the way they did it was they Googled it. Um, there's a thing. There's a thing called Google dorking. If you come across Google dorking, no, I haven't. What's Google this, dorking? So basically, if you if, if a if a website is is badly built or, or, or throws up error messages, you can take the error messages and you can search on Google for those error messages. Right. And when you hit go, it will present you with a list of websites that are potentially vulnerable to attack.
1: Okay. This
0: called Google dorking, which I don't. Know, I've never figured out whether it's Google dorking because only a dork would search the internet. Like that for for website hacks, or only a dork would design a website that was b- that badly built <coughs> that you could actually search on Google for the problems with it. I think there are dorks on both sides. Dork, there's yeah, there's multiple, there's dorks from all angles. Um, basically, so, so so what happens is you 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 enter into Google your sort of you know your error message. You you find different websites, and then you basically start trying to attack these different websites and see if if you can get into them. Right behind a lot of websites is is Data. So so basically you, you go to the talk to a website or whichever website. That company will somewhere in its computer systems have a whole bunch of information about not just you, but all its customers, you know, potentially credit card details, all that kind of thing. Mm. So the hacker's job basically is to get from that website, from the front door, if you like, and get through into where all of the stuff's stored and then get hold of that.
1: Okay. Yeah. I played a computer game uh, on the PC called Hacknet. Oh, right. I think it's quite popular, uh-huh. and you actually learn proper hacking what do you... commands and so on. Also, so <coughs> the game led me to believe. But you haven't
0: obviously tried these out. No, in only the real... in the game. Yes. But
1: the point is, once you learn the just the various routines yes. of how to hack, yes, to get past the various layers of security, yes, then even perhaps a baby-faced hacker could could learn those quite easily. This which is the
0: gist of the game. This, you know? yeah, I think that's that's. I don't know where they got them from the game, but they, they certainly weren't advanced hacking tools. The other thing is, so um, this relied on what's called an SQL attack, right? Basically, I did those in the game. Did you? Yeah, <laughs> just in the game, mind? Yeah, just just in the game. Basically, from when you go to a website and you search, I don't know, cheap flights to Paris or whatever. Yeah. Somewhere in the computer systems of the company, there's all this information about what, how much the flights cost and so on. So what you need is something to take the query the person types in, go and find it in the stock of data, and then bring it back and give the search results. Mm. That thing is called SQL. That, that tool is called SQL. Right. And that's the, the little beaver that goes away and beavers about in the database and then comes back with the, with the stuff. Okay. The problem is it's not a very clever beaver. So you can sometimes fool it into getting stuff that you shouldn't get access to. So you can say, oh, show me all the cheap flights to Paris, and by the way, also show me all of the 16-digit numbers in the database as well, i.e. credit card numbers. For example, I don't know whether that works, but that would be a kind of example, yeah? Okay. So that's that's how they managed to pull out information, apparently from (coughs) TalkTalk. Yeah? (coughs) Makes sense?
1: Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. So they didn't have to do anything incredibly fiendishly clever like go into the emails of the executives and search those for passwords or...
0: No, no. It was a fairly direct front-end sort of attack. It's basically like going into, I don't know, it's like going into a shop and fooling the shop assistant to, you know, opening up the till or something like that. It's it's that, that sort of equivalent level.
1: How did... How did...
0: Why was Talk Talk that vulnerable? I mean, that sounds very vulnerable. The, the hackers certainly say they they tried to alert Talk Talk before to the fact that their website was vulnerable. Well, that um, makes that makes it even more inexcusable. Yes. So, so, so this all happened, and then, I mean, they, they're not the only people to have been attacked this way, and they're probably not the only people who've you know lost information this way and lost data this way. But there's a reason it hit the news, which was, um. The way these hackers worked is they were they were doing loads and loads and loads of these these queries and loads and loads of these hacks and eventually the systems the TalkTalk Talk system started to slow down right and they thought they were being they realised they were being attacked at that point then at some stage there was a ransom demand went in from one of either one of the hackers or somebody who knew the hack was happening saying look you know give us some money and we will make it stop mm. and so that's why the whole thing became big news because after that the then chief executive of TalkTalk. Talk Baroness Dido Harding, did a round of media interviews to tell people, look, we, you know, we have been hacked, we are looking into it, by the way, you need to know this. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of debate as to whether that was a good move or not. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, there's some crazy statistic, like it's, it's, I don't know, 180 days usually between when a company gets hacked and when they find out they've been hacked. Right. So on the plus side, you know, talked talk very quickly, worked out in this case they've been hacked and, and went on air. The question is whether that was the right thing to do, particularly because at that time they just didn't know how many people had been affected. Mm. Yeah. So
1: you can cause mass panic without actually giving people any useful information.
0: Yes. And and given what's going to emerge over the course of the rest of the podcast... um, that wasn't good to sort of cause panic because there was already some issues at TalkTalk. is an understatement. Um, and it gave the people causing those issues a whole new way to exploit the situation they'd already been exploiting. Do you see what I mean? So this October 2015 hack gave the people who were already exploiting TalkTalk Talk a whole fresh bite of the cherry.
1: Okay. Yeah. Can you tell... Uh me why this matters and the reason i ask that i mean it might seem self-evident to you you're like what loads Mm. of data was stolen Mm. the thing is i i feel like i can barely open a digital newspaper these days without hearing about Mm. Uh, another major company like Yahoo, yeah. or, or just somebody who has the data on half the people in the world—they've <laughs> yes. been hacked. Yes, or it's all gone. I just kind of assume yeah. that my name, address, phone number, and bank account details yeah. are on the databases of numerous hackers yeah. all yeah. over the world. I, d- yeah. I just kind of take that as
0: red. It's it's a very good question. It's normally a question I dread, but usefully in this exact example. I can map out for you and will do over the course of this exactly why this matters and exactly what you can do with this kind of data. Right. Because normally it's like, oh, well, you know, it's on the dark web and it's used this way. It's quite hard to explain to people, you know, when data is stolen, how it's monetized and how, you know, how hackers use it. Um, In this example, it's fantastic because, well, it's fantastic as an explainer. Number one, um, people have lost money as a result of what happened at TalkTalk and have lost hundreds of thousands possibly millions of pounds as a result of it. And number two, the people who perpetrated this fraud needed very, very little information to make it work. A name, a phone number, and an account number was really all they needed to to do this fraud. So this is going to explain to you why this stuff matters. And that's why, in a way, I keep banging on about TalkTalk because it's the best teaching tool for me about, well, look, here's how hacking works, here's what you can do with the information, and here's how you can make money out of it. What a great how-to guide. I know, I know. I'm not saying to people they should do this, I just want to make that clear. <laughs> so so it's a bit like um,
1: O.J. Simpson, the book that never got published, where he's saying, I'm not saying you should go out yep. and murder yep. your wife, yep. but uh, here's my book about how to do it if you were to do Wasn't
0: it. Wasn't it called How I Did It or something like that? Uh, how, or was it How I Would Have Done I It? Yes. I think it was How I Would Have Done yes, It. Yes, you're right, that's probably a more sensible title. So don't do this, but here's how you would do it. Anyway, um, <laughs> I know it's a bit of an aside,
1: but it's, how ridiculous is that? So, like, if, if you haven't murdered your wife and you've spent the last 20 years trying to persuade everyone you haven't done it, yes. why would you then write a book saying, but if I had
0: done it, this is how I would have gone about it. I think, like, why would you do that? I think that shows a, a, a deep and, and deep-seated preference for PR over personal security <laughs> uh, and freedom. I mean, really, you know...
1: I mean, you don't get the Birmingham Six. <laughs> you know, writing. It's like eventually we've been exonerated, but now
0: we're going to write a book if we had done if we that. Ha- here's how I would have, yes. <laughs> anyway, um, so look, Talk Talk happened. It hit the news. Um, the, uh, the chief exec went on air. It didn't go well, it has to be said, because um, she was asked some pretty in depth technical questions and didn't answer them particularly convincingly. And I have to say, one of the other reasons Talk Talk is a story that just keeps going and going is a lot of chief executives around the UK looked at those appearances and went, I'm not going to do that. And they suddenly started getting interested in cybersecurity because they realised if if you're hacked, you may have to go on the news and explain yourself. Yeah. And they're not going to do that very well. So they're like, right, how can we just not get hacked in the first place? So that was, or at least, how can I explain it in a way that's going to make sense to people if we do? So you see what I mean? The chief executive of talk, talk appearing on the news and doing a round of interviews really made waves. Right. <clears throat> Off the back of this... um. I interviewed a woman who I thought, well, she was a victim of, of fraud off the back of Talk Talk. But what was interesting was she'd been a victim before that October 2015 hack. Mm. So she explained this story of what had happened to her. <coughs> She's a woman called Tamsin Collison. She uh, is a voiceover artist. So, you know, if you go on if you download audiobooks books yeah. and there's a lovely sort of voice, not like ours. Grizzled, mm. grizzled old men voices, but no. like a nice voice of somebody who reads out a book nicely for you. Mellifluous. Me- oh, mellifluous.
1: Oh. Actually, that does it. Yes, yeah, she I has a mellifluous. mellifluously. You did,
0: didn't you? Could you turn the mellifluousness off now? Because it's freaking me out a bit. Do I have to? Please. Um, <laughs> Tamsin does his <those> voiceovers. <clears throat> so, she's a voiceover artist. She's with Talk Talk. She was unhappy with Talk Talk, her experience wasn't good. It kept going on the blink, basically. Okay. And actually, Talk Talk have been over the various years have appeared in the kind of most complained about ISPs. So she wasn't alone, mm. She gets a call from Talk Talk, from a guy with a heavy Indian accent who says, uh, "I've heard you are having problems. I'm here to sort them out." Now, all of the other guys who from Talk Talk she talked to, and all the other people had been based in an Indian call centre, so the Indian accent didn't ring bells. Sure. This guy phones her up and says. Sorry, you're having problems. I'm going to sort them out. Um, I just need you to install um, some software so that I can fix your computer remotely. Yes. I'm getting that horrible feeling. I have had that from... I've had that. Yeah. We've all had that. So, you know, you click to install and... And what, what when she clicked the message from this guy? Who That's emailed, the thing.
1: How is she supposed to know? I mean, yep. usually when yep. I hear about these kind of things, I think, yep. I think, ah, what an idiot! I would never fall for that because yep. they opened an email they shouldn't have opened. Or yep. you know, there's always something where yep. I think I'm cleverer than that. Yep. But in this case, what you're saying is like, you know, the guy phones her up. I guess he did. He have her account number. He did exactly. He had her account number. It's yep. like so you assume. Okay, he must be from TalkTalk. Talk, and just to be. You know, And then when he says install some software, like you
0: say, that is something that does happen when you've yep. got
1: problems with your equipment. They and do sometimes ask you to do that. And she'd
0: had multiple conversations from people with TalkTalk who've been trying to fix this problem and stuff. So, I so would have <clears>
1: fallen <throat> for this.
0: The guy, inst- it, what he installed was what's called a remote access tool, which again, you know, you can have legitimate yeah. versions. Yeah, yeah I've, I've had yep. that done to me. What this means is that somebody on a computer somewhere else in the world can see everything you type on the screen and everything you type on the keyboard. Mm. So it's full access. So the guy then says, oh, OK, I'm going to look at the problems on your computer. And he brings up a screen which looks for all the world like the computer's about to explode. Like there's error messages, there's alerts, there's warnings, there's this, there's that. Mm. Now, actually, that's a screen anybody can bring up. um, And things, your computer brings alerts all the time. You know, it's just stuff happens, things crash. It's not fatal. It's just what your computer does. And normally you don't see it. But you can bring up a screen that's going to show you everything your computer's doing in the background. And for someone like Tamsin, who's not necessarily computer literate, it looks terrifying. He said, "This is these are all the problems. Your computer's completely, you know... Uh, Compromised. Exactly. Which, of course, it had been, but not in the way that she thought it was. <laughs> anyway, so he says, oh, OK, well, no, I'm going to fix these problems. And by the way, he said, by the way, you're due some compensation. £200. Oh. She thought, finally you know, putting their finger out and giving me some compensation. So, he says, okay, I'm going to send you a link to where you can claim your compensation. Hmm. She clicks on the link, and it brings up a page, which is the TalkTalk logo, so it looks like the TalkTalk website, and it's got a list of banks with all the logos of all the banks. Right. And he says, click on the logo for your bank. So, she clicks on NatWest, I think it was, and she goes through, and there's the login page for the bank. Okay. Now, neither of those pages were actually legitimate. The TalkTalk one was not TalkTalk, and... That west one wasn't that west. You don't say. Yeah. <clears throat> so she's then confronted with the kind of enter your first, third, and sixth word of your letter of your password that that thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what's interesting is the guy says at this point, there's a lot of psychology involved here, right? The guy says, "Don't give me your password. Just enter in the numbers and don't read them out because I don't want to know. You know, you just enter it in." Yeah. And for her, that was very, very uh, reassuring and comforting. She's like, "Well, you know, that's the." He's given me the advice I've heard. Don't give them your password. So she types in the things. Yeah. Now, remember, he can see every letter number that she's typing because he's got access to. So he goes to the legitimate bank website, types in all of those things, presses go, and he's into her account.
1: But how? Because if she's only put in the first, third, (coughs) and sixth letters of the password hmm. then he can only get into her real bank if he is asked for the first
0: third and yep. sixth letters i presume and i don't know this but i'm it's there's no other way really this could work he brings up the natwest login and site sees and his that computer.
1: it's requesting the first third the first and
0: six so he tells her first third and so he puts on her screen first third and sixth. yeah
1: he must have created that screen like in yep. real time yep. just updated the web page that he'd created exactly just Sort of in the past couple of minutes, really. Not, di-
0: not that difficult to do. A bit no. not. Difficult.
1: No, you're right. It's, yeah. it, you can do it instantly. Bada I could. Boom. Even I know how to do that. I
0: know. I know. With my rudimentary coding skills. <clears throat> Bada boom. So he's in. He's in to the banks. That's pretty good, right? Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there's a problem. That's um, problem? Well, the, problem, the problem is he, he wants to get the money out. He can see money. Yeah. He has to get the money out. Yeah. But to create a new payee, you have to have the card uh, or anything. See, these are all the all the security
1: <laughs> things that always get on my nerves. And I think, oh, why yeah, do I have right. to do...
0: Why do you have to send an OTP
1: to my phone? I don't even know what an OTP is. But yeah, yeah. the bank does that, doesn't it? When it creates a new payee, they'll, yeah. they'll send a special code to your phone. Yeah. So if you haven't got your phone... yeah. Uh, so I guess that's why he's got her on the line so that he can sort that out. Well,
0: he, he suddenly sees something. So she's, Tamsin's freelance, right? So she, she saves for her tax bill in a separate account. She's got a savings account. It's got a wadge of money in it. Yeah. So what he does next is, is, and also the other thing is if you set up a new payee, the bank can trace the transaction and reverse it if Tamsin had tumbled it. Yeah. quickly enough she'd phone up the bank and say oh I've just done this and they could get the money back or even if the payment goes out they can chase the receiving bank and get the, claw the money back so he's thinking is there a way of getting the money without setting up a new payee and transferring it
1: so he would need to not have any alarm bells ringing yeah. on her side for what, yeah. at least several days, I yeah. guess, and yeah. then he'd be in the clear, probably.
0: So this is what he does. So he needs <coughs> the money to
1: clear in the other bank yeah. so that he can then withdraw that money. So, yeah, he needs like three or four days, doesn't he? No, he's
0: got a better idea. He's got a better idea than that. Oh, has he? He transfers. He says, OK, you're due this, this conversation payment, 200 quid. He transfers £5,200 from Tamsin's Savings Account to her current account Mm. He screen grabs the current account and sticks that on her screen in front of her because, of course, he's got access to the computer. So she's looking at her current account, mm. and there's a five thousand two hundred pound payment in there. And so she's then saying, "Why is there so much money?" In my You've overpaid me five thousand two pounds, two hundred pounds. The guy then, according to Tamsin, goes into this meltdown performance, like he's sobbing, he's going to lose his job, he's overpaid, he's made a mistake, he's going, to, he's going to get kicked out, his family are going to be destitute, and the explanation is, you know on your keypad here, the five and the two are next to each other, yeah. he's like, oh, I pressed the five and the two at once, it was, a, it was called a fat finger error. Tamsin, by this stage, has been on the phone for hours with these guys and just wants them off.
1: Oh, this is all so
0: horribly plausible, his explanation. So she says...
1: (laughs) That's a a bit of genius, that
0: five and the two fair finger. Fraud is all about the details, the cons about the details. Now, so she says, look, I'll just transfer it back to you. It's fine, I can just give them the pay details, I'll just set it. And he says, no, 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 if I I do that, I'll get caught. I need you to send it to a colleague of mine in a different office. He can input it into his system and then we can square it off. right. So he gives her the name of a guy in Bangkok, Sahel Hussein, and he says go to the post office, use MoneyGram, all you need with MoneyGram is the name and the city they're in, take £5,000 out of your account, the £5,000 I just paid you, send it via MoneyGram to Sahel Hussein in Bangkok, and then he can square it, and that's good.
1: That's the point <coughs> at which I would start going, I'm mm, yes. not sure yep.
0: I want to do that. Tamsin did. She went to the post office, she had £5,000, sent it to a guy in Bangkok, 6,000 miles away she'd never heard of.
1: Because she felt so bad for the crying guy on the yeah. phone. I she wants have him out.
0: And also, look, the thing you've got to realise about this is that the tactics that were used against Tamsin are almost precisely 100 years old. Do you ever see that film The Sting? Yeah, yeah. <coughs> the it's Sting. Yeah, the entertainer music. That, that, fraud that they did in that film is based on real events yeah beginning of the 20th century just before the stock market crash, there was loads of money sloshing about in america and so there was this group well groups of people called the grifters who would perpetrate what are called long con or big store games across big store cons across the u.s right and you know in the film there's like there's there's fake blood and they've got fake, you know, bookies. I forget it's a bookmaker or something. They've
1: like hired an entire yeah. massive retinue yeah. of bit part players yeah. in it and all the rest of it.
0: And this is the thing. So the, to make a big store con work, you have to make the person think that there's a whole edifice behind what's going on. You create a fantasy world. Yes. It co- it takes time and money to do, but you're trying to separate your victim from a bigger amount of money, so you have to make the con bigger. Yes. So those guys started with nickel and dime cons in the streets, and then they graduated up to this. There's certain tactics you have to do to make a big con work, and there's certain steps you have to take the victim through. And the fir- one of them's called what's called roping the mark. So imagine I'm trying to con you I introduce you and I say, hey, you know, Glenn, you've got a bit of money, done well on your investing, you know. Um, I know a guy who can double your money, you know. but mm. He's, he's cagey up, he probably won't talk to you. So I introduce you and you get passed on to him and I back away and go, well, you know, good luck to you. The guy who makes all the money says, well, yeah, I can take you in, but I'm not sure with my other guys. You know, you, you gradually expand the world so it gets bigger and bigger. Mm. The person who ropes you in the, in the initial stage never is the person who deals with you afterwards. They back away but in this talk talk thing the mm.
1: or what you've <clears throat> described so far of it anyway mm-hmm. um it's it's relatively simple and also there's a way that she can get back, out of it out. if she was if she was kind of yep. um alert enough yep. which is that well, what I like to think I would have done in mm. her circumstances before I went down to the post office and transferred 5,000, I would just double check the transaction on my bank website to make to see where it had come from. Yep. And then yep. she would see that it had been transferred from her savings account to her current account. This
0: is true. But what, as far as she was concerned, she was looking at her bank account. Like, what's in front of her is her bank accounts. Yeah. So she knew that the money was there in her
1: current account. But yep. the one bit that she was missing was had it yep. come from abroad or not? Was and this guy lying? I mean, I don't know. Yes, I just yes. I like to think yes. that I would have checked that but obviously when you're in the midst of a human relationship with a crying man
0: then you might yes. you might not think of that and and don't get me wrong you know there are people who would have spotted what was going on the other thing about this that's problematic is is you mm. know is a comp so from the beginning i'm describing to you a fraud yeah i know that. so you're prepped yeah. to look for the things true the other thing about this is those the other thing the grifters did that these grifting gangs was they they did this thing called putting the mark on the send which is when, at the very point, you're ready to take the money off your victim. Mm. You give them an out. You give them a way to escape. So the classic one was they would give them a few hundred dollars out of their cash, real money, and say to them, go home or go to a hotel or just disappear for a day. They would always give the victim the chance, because they would walk out of the fake bookies or bank or whatever with money in the hand and think, well, it can't be a con. They've just given me all this money that, you know, why would... That makes no sense. Yeah, and let me leave. As far as Tam's concerned, she's five grand up. They're the victim. She's not the victim. She's five grand richer. She could walk off with it. Very important psychological trip at that point. And also, I don't know whether you've ever had a call from an elderly relative or older relative, you know, about a computer thing where it's just obviously a scam.
1: Yes, and I actually I'll direct him to listen to this podcast so that he can be humiliated once more. Oh, I humiliated him enough in real oh. life,
0: and now I can do it on uh, on an audio. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so um, Tamsin sends the money, five grand to somebody she's never met before. Yeah, and that's the last she sees of it. Okay, but that isn't the last of the story. It goes on. I found out who nicked it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, how excited do we get to meet them? Are they going to come and walk in? <laughs> it's a surprise guest. Have to wait, next episode. Oh! In the next episode, you'll find out who stole Tamsin's money, what they did with it, and how I tracked them down.